Welcome, everybody. This is Derek, joined by Rich, once again on the Sixers Beat, part of the CLNS Media Network. Got a, got a lot. Not, not I think, what anybody wanted us to be talking about, uh, but we obviously have the decisions of LeBron James and Paul George. The Kawhi situation, where they go from here, some questionable moves by LeBron, the GM. But how you doing, Rich? I'm all right, buddy. I'm happy. You know what? I am happy that LeBron did not drag this thing out, at least. Yeah, there he, were... He, did, he didn't make the decision we all wanted to hear, but at least he was quick with it. There were discussions this could go until Tuesday or beyond, and that would have just been hell. That would have just been a complete nightmare, in part because the last 24 hours are maybe the only time I really got my hopes up. You know, I think when the playoffs ended and the Sixers were kind of in the spotlight because of their run and the success they had, I thought maybe a 30% chance. I think that was probably my high watermark when I was the had the most hope that LeBron would actually choose Philadelphia. And then, you know, in the month leading up to free agency, it seemed like everybody cooled on the Sixers. I think my odds probably fell into, like, maybe the 15% chance range. And then the last day happened, and the Kawhi situation was still still unresolved, which I thought, now that you had gotten to free agency, that actually helped the Sixers because you could talk to LeBron and be like, okay, look, if we get Kawhi, what does that do? Like, will you come if, if, if we can trade for Kawhi too? So I thought the fact that the Lakers didn't land Kawhi before free agency helped. I thought that Paul George signing in Oklahoma City obviously helped. And then you start getting the reports. There's a report that first that the Sixers will have a sit-down with LeBron. Very quickly amended to the Sixers will have a sit-down with LeBron's people. Uh, <laughs> and then there's, you know, optimism about a trade for Kawhi. and optimism about a trade or about being able to keep Kawhi around long term. And I'm not going to lie, Rich, that 15% chance that I had heading into the day, it went up. And I don't know how high it went up. I don't think it ever reached 50%, but it it, it, it increased. And there was a brief moment in time where I'm sitting there, I'm looking at the Sixers roster, and I'm going, you know, two or three years ago, we're talking about Hollis Thompson and James Nunnally. And now we could be talking about Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James. And I'm not going to lie, Rich, I got pretty fucking excited. And I think that's why everybody's really let. Well, first of all, you should be let down because the, the chance that you get to acquire the best player in the game, it just doesn't come around all that often. So I understand there's, there's going to be a letdown no matter what happens. Even if you went in with proper expectations, there's always going to be a letdown, especially with the way it played out. You know, I think if LeBron would have gone to L.A. with Paul George, we all would have said, like, all right, I get it. Like, it, maybe not the decision I would have made. Maybe Simmons and Embiid give him a better chance to win. But you can at least make the argument. Add in L.A., add in his, in his family's comfort with it, add in the weather, add in the business opportunities, you can understand it. If he would have gone back to Cleveland, his hometown, that sucks, I would have understood it. But I think a big part of the disappointment, besides the fact that we all got our hopes up, a big part of the disappointment comes from the fact that it just doesn't make a whole lot of basketball sense right now. Yeah, and with the reports that the, uh, the sit-down with Rich Paul, even though... It's unclear if he was even there, but that they were wasting LeBron, their fucking time. Yeah, with LeBron's people and Josh Harris, that that he had his mind completely set up on, uh, made up on L.A. Regardless of what roster they had, uh, that that's disappointing. And it, it's like you said, the I, the ability to add LeBron James to your roster makes you team in the Eastern Conference and an NBA Finals contender, even with the juggernaut Warriors, right away. Like a, a legitimate NBA Finals contender. 
So that's why it's a bummer. Uh, and, and I get it uh, if you didn't want him. But, he, you know, the, he would have been a huge deal. So, yeah, it didn't seem like LeBron really had any interest in playing here. And I, I, I'm kind of wondering why that is. I mean, I think a big part of me, like you said, thinks it's just a simple answer, that he wanted to live in L.A. The lifestyle, his business interests, his family – the Lakers are this historic team and, and brand. God, I, I hate that word. Uh, and then I'll have a chance to resurrect them. All of those reasons. Some of me worries that, that Rich Paul and and LeBron wanted Ben Simmons kind of to grow on his own, you know, as, as part of the, their uh, their clutch sports umbrella. I, I don't really know. Uh it's uh it, it stinks though, and uh, the the only thing that that stinks even more is the the roster that the Lakers are putting around LeBron. It, it really is. And look, I've seen some people uh, say that this is proof you didn't want LeBron because LeBron the GM comes with it. LeBron wouldn't have had to make the same kind of wholesale changes, or a LeBron influenced Magic and Palinka wouldn't have had to make the same wholesale changes in Philadelphia that they do in Los Angeles. And I think part of the appeal to LeBron might have been. That blank slate. You know, I think LeBron has accomplished enough and is confident enough in himself where he can say, look, I'll get you to title contention. Give me a blank slate and we'll figure it out. And I think that's a little naive. I mean, we all just saw what happened with uh, with Cleveland and Golden State. Like, you're going to need help. And despite the fact that you might be a student of the game, you don't really have that. that that's not your forte. I think it's been pretty proven. So I don't think they would have been had the same disastrous decisions in Philadelphia that they've made so far in Los Angeles. But, whoo, man, is that team going to be unintentionally fun to watch? I mean, Lance and Rondo, and I just, I, I don't, they started off the summer talking about Paul George and LeBron, shifted to Kawhi and LeBron, shifted to Cousins and LeBron, which didn't really make sense because of Cousins' injury, then to Capella and LeBron, and now you're talking about, you know, fucking Lance Stevenson and Rondo, and I guess the best signing they've made is KCP, who's inconsistent as all hell. I don't I don't know what the hell that team's... Like, do you start a ball-Lonzo backcourt? And this is supposed to maximize LeBron's skill set? Like, I don't... And I've seen some people say, like, look, Cleveland tried to build shooters around LeBron. It didn't work. So try a different <laughs> tactic. No, that, that means you need more than just shooting. That means you need some people who aren't dumbasses. But it doesn't mean that you ignore shooting altogether. Like you're, you, you tweeted a gif of just a, a crowded accident of a road, and that really it's it's going to be astounding as Rondo pounds the ball at the top of the key with with his defender ten feet off of him, and Lonzo spotting up, and LeBron trying to cut, and it's just going to be a fucking nightmare. I'm going to love it. I a, a good prop bet for uh, for any of you gamblers out there. If LeBron plays the entire year, he is going to average the most threes in his career ever because he's just going to look at the paint and say, "I want no damn part of that." Uh, yeah, it's it, it that that's going to be train wreck television at night. What what uh just off the top of your head, what, what seed do you think that is in the Western Conference playoffs? So, my reaction based on their moves is probably to go lower than it should, and I think we've all kind of learned don't bet against LeBron. So I'm going to say fifth seed, maybe sixth seed, Ooh. somewhere in that range. Ooh. And I don't that know, feels man. very generous. And I, 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 it's almost intentionally generous because, again, I have 
been burned by betting against LeBron. But if he ta- if he takes the you know the the regular season off at times like he has in Cleveland, it's going to get real dicey. It's going to get real dicey. And look, I understand everyone's saying they're intentionally signing the one year deals to to pursue Kawhi or KD or Clay or whoever ends up becoming available. Still got to play this year, man. I get that, but there are better one year decisions to be made out there. Like I would have gone for Ellington. I would have gone for Tyreek over him. Certainly would have made an offer. And if you make an offer sheet to Capella, it can't be for one year. But I think that's going to end up being a tradable contract. I would have pursued Capella. It's just I don't, I don't, I. Yes, I understand the one year aspect of it, but that's the only part of their strategy so far. I understand that that Capella contract is going to be matched too. Uh, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, and there everybody who covers the NBA on a league, you know, on a national basis. They made the point. Well, why are you bidding for Lance Stevenson? Who who is out there saying we we need to get this guy? And you know, everybody brought up the uh, the infamous blowing in the air incident and uh, those uh, Miami Indiana series. Uh, Lance Stevenson is a whack job. He's like kind of a bad dude. Uh, he is a terrible fit for LeBron. I, I cannot believe they went out of their way to sign him right away. He, If you watch him play, he's just dribbling and skipping the entire time. Like, terrible fit with LeBron. Uh, KCP just seems like they uh, they took care of clutch sports. If you – I know Redick would have signed the same amount of money to stay in Philadelphia. Wouldn't you have gone big money for Redick? Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you have tried to do that at least? Incredible fit with LeBron. Incredible. Yeah. And he, and he, he, I mean, he's got he probably, familiarity he with probably, LA. Yeah, and he probably would have said no if the Sixers got in the same ballpark because he really enjoyed playing here, and we'll get to him in a minute. But yeah, that that team—if you're giving me the five and a half over under on the seed—I think I might go under. I that team, the, you cannot take off as many games in the Western Conference anymore. I, I'm thinking just right off the bat: Golden State, Houston, Utah. Oklahoma City, I think, are all pretty much clearly better, especially especially if Golden State or uh, Oklahoma City gives the Lakers Carmelo uh, as kind of a, a stealth tanking move there. Um, yeah, I, like I think he's going to be roughly at the bottom of the playoffs and maybe not too comfortably in. It's and look, I, I get that the Lakers, like you said, they're going to have cap space. They obviously have Kawhi Leonard saying that he definitely wants to play there. That is a good thing. In the future, LeBron could could build a team, but I, this year could be ugly, man. Logically, you're probably right. I'm still just astounded that you know this is LeBron James. He should be the best recruiting tool that a team with cap space can have, and you end up with Lance Stevenson. I just, I don't, it, my mind is completely boggled. All right. I, I think I'm going to watch all 82 games, though. That's... <laughs> <laughs> it's, anyway... Moving on, the Sixers signed J.J. Redick to a 12 or $13 million deal, which is strange. You don't you don't normally see Woj no. report uncertainty like that, but probably some kind well, of option. Well, at least, or, uh, at least you didn't say he signed a 6 or a $17 million deal. <laughs> right, at, least, at, right. at least we're in the ballpark, I guess. But there's probably some kind of incentive in there, I would guess. Um, and then the, the Sixers also signed Zaire Smith. So now the Zaire Smith signing has no impact on the cap. It's in in the past it would have. There's a in the past they used to be slotted 
with the cap hold of 100%, but almost everybody signed to 120% of the scale. So you could save a little bit by signing them later. Now they change that in the 2017 CBA, so they slot at 120%. So there's no impact on the cap. What there is an impact on is he now can't be traded for a month. It's not three months like a typical signing. The first round picks are under a different rule, but he now can't be traded for a month. Um, so we're talking early August, similar to, to um, Andrew, Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins, correct. Uh, so it's certainly not a roadblock if Pop does end up wanting him in a Kawhi trade. It is a little interesting that Landry Shamit hasn't signed a contract yet, because again, there's no negotiation in that deal. Unless they, you know, they talked to his agent before the draft and said, hey, look, We'll, we'll draft you higher than expected, but we're giving you 100% of the slot instead of 100 Instead of 120. Yeah. They, that could have happened, so maybe there is some negotiation. But typically there's no negotiation, which makes you wonder why they haven't signed him yet. And some will speculate that maybe they intend to use him in the trade. I think what I'll say is because the Lakers moves now, them making a trade now is going to be almost impossible. Like nobody's taking on Luol Dang as salary filler. They don't have Julius Randle to use as a sign and trade for salary filler. And all the contracts they just use their cap space on, they can't trade for quite a while. So I don't expect, and this is just, you know, connecting tea leaves here. I'm not, I'm not reporting anything. Don't, don't, don't windy me on this. But I don't expect, I kind of think the trade talk for Kawhi Leonard will die down now for a little bit because I don't think the Spurs are going to trade him to the Sixers while they have little leverage with the Lakers, unless they've already come to an agreement, which I, I assume we would have heard reported by now. But I think if there's a reason for why Zaire Smith is signed right now, it's because I think the Sixers probably don't expect a trade of Kawhi Leonard to now happen until we get closer to the season. Yeah, and if they were to trade him in August, that wouldn't matter. They they, they could wait that long, and it wouldn't affect their general, um, you know, their general plan of action with with Leonard. I. Uh, w- what do you think in general, uh, you know, now that LeBron is not only is he off the board, but he's in the location that Kawhi is reportedly demanded to go to, uh, do you think the incentive, how how much of the incentive to trade for Kawhi has dropped to you? So I think they're still interested. Yeah. But is there interest in giving up a King's Ransom decrease that to me is a question I think they'll still make offers I think they'll still trade for him at the right price but do you take a step back and say look what we're willing to offer when it was a package deal with LeBron we're now not willing to offer I think that's entirely fair and you know maybe that changes maybe Kawhi because there have been some reports Jabari Young San Antonio Express News Ian Bagley ESPN I think maybe Mark Spears too I might have that wrong but certainly the, the first two have said that they believe that Kawhi would be open to re-signing with the Sixers. And that even if he hit free agency next summer, L.A. is not a guarantee. And that's maybe the strongest we've heard anyone say. You know, Jabari Young was on WIP, and he said he knows that Kawhi Leonard would have interest. Not that he would, but that he would have interest in re-signing with the Sixers. So maybe now that, you know, L.A. is off the table for at least a couple of months, maybe Kawhi steps back talks to the Sixers, or his representatives talk to the Sixers, and say, look, we, I, I, I'd be open. And I don't know if that means, you know, signing an extension now. It almost certainly doesn't, because there's pretty big restrictions on the extension he could sign right now. But, you know, maybe that he gives them a stronger indication of what his desires are. And we've always said, you know, is L.A. a preference, or is it an ultimatum? 
Yeah. And it's impossible to know that unless Kawhi is willing to talk earnestly. And maybe now he's a little more willing to talk. Then maybe maybe the Sixers' willingness to pay goes back up. So there's still a lot of ways this could end up going. I do think they'll still be interested, but I do think it has to impact what you're willing to give. And by the way, I don't, you know, there's what KD, I think, signed a one plus one deal. Kawhi's going to be a free agent. I think Jimmy Butler has an option. Clay Thompson has an option. So there's going to, there could very well be other options out there. Maybe, maybe the Lakers don't even prefer Kawhi. Maybe they end up preferring KD and KD wants to pair with LeBron. Or maybe they end up preferring Clay because maybe he's a little easier of a fit. I don't know. Or maybe there's not the injury risk. I don't know. But there's even a world where Kawhi could hit free agency. And the Lakers aren't even interested because they have bigger fish or other targets on their mind. It's a good top tier next year in free agency, which is good for the Sixers too because they have one more year to land one of those guys. And they've, um, they've made their intentions, I think, pretty clear. Because you probably could have gotten J.J. Redick on like, you know, if, if he signed a one-year, let's say, $13 million deal, you probably could have gotten him on like 220 if you were willing to commit to it. So I think their they're signing of Redick to a one-year deal is a pretty clear indication that they're probably yeah. going to try to run this back and, and try it again next summer. Yeah, yeah, you've heard. I've heard they're they're pretty likely to continue to pursue one year deals. Uh, yeah, and that that makes all the sense in the world. The uh, yeah, as far as Kawhi is concerned, I I think the the swing piece that we all talk about is Fultz, and it, it's such a crazy hypothetical because there's so much uncertainty on both sides when it comes to Kawhi's injury and would he be willing to resign and. What's Fultz's jumper going to look like? Even though Drew Hanlon is guaranteeing it's going to be amazing. The uh, my my favorite I, the six, fan reaction though is like Drew. Oh, Drew Hanlon says it's looking good. Well, he kind of has to, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he's not going to be like, oh, he's still got a ways to go. Like he he has two options: either be quiet about it or be positive about it. And being quiet about it probably would lead to some speculation he doesn't want. So I hope he's making good progress. I'm optimistic he's making progress, but. Handling has to be a salesman as well. Yeah, he's he's a very important salesman, as you've you've pointed out. I am a little sick, by the way, of uh, people pointing out, oh, stop showing us these dunk videos and these dribbling videos. Well, he's not going to show you a video of him taking form jumpers from inside the free throw line. So, and by the way, the way Drew Handlin is going about this, from pretty much every indication we have. Fultz isn't allowed to do anything else besides dunk. He's not allowed to play. Right. So it's okay if he wants to show a cool dunk. It's all right. There's it's a just, there's a leap people make that like, well, if we're not seeing videos, like why are you wasting time on dunks? Like that's not what's going on here. He's he's doing his shooting. He's working on the right stuff. I promise you. Uh yeah. So he he's kind of the, the, the big piece to throw in. The Sixers did not throw him into a trade earlier. And I think it's like you said earlier, if LeBron would have ever said, get Kawhi and I will sign. Then I would pretty much, you know, outside of Simmons and Embiid, I'd be willing to give up a hell of a lot for that. Can you can you imagine that, man? Oh, I mean, that, that's LeBron? a legitimate Warriors contender. Like, legitimate. That would have been incredible. Um, and now, I think, I think Spike had a pretty good tweet. He was like, this this can only go one of two ways. It'll be, wow, LeBron, Kawhi, Simmons, and Embiid, who's the fifth starter, or uh, Shake Milton is hurt. How's that going to affect his season? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, 
it's it's tough when you strike out. But yeah, it's Kawhi. I I think the thing I will say about Kawhi is that despite all of the uncertainty, and I haven't liked a lot of the things I've heard about you know his demands and, and him potentially sitting out, and obviously what he did last year in San Antonio is still super weird and, and unclear. I'm not sure still what happened there. I think we underrate how good top five players are. Oh my God, yes. I mean, look, there's a legitimate question of whether he'll get back to that point. Like the quad injury is something he's had for a while now. He's he's fought through and it, it, you know, it could sap him from some of that quickness and burst he needs to be that two-way star that he was. I get that question. But what he was and what he could add to this team is 100% being undersold, 100%. Yeah, and in relation to Fultz, who I still think has a high-ass upside, as unplayable as he was in the playoffs at times just because he couldn't shoot, don't get me wrong, I was still impressed that he was able to get a triple-double while not shooting outside of five feet. I was impressed by him absolutely shaking the shit out of some defenders. Like, his ball handling looked awesome when he came back and that that degree of elusiveness is just hard to teach but for him to get even close to a top five level I don't think we sometimes I think we underestimate how hard that is and how important it is to get a player of that level and the Kawhi Leonard from two years ago if you can get that guy for a year even without a guarantee and maybe you determine it was a preference and not an ultimatum as you said the Sixers would be awesome. I think they'd be favorites to make the finals, personally. Everybody talks about Boston. If you add Kawhi Leonard into the mix at his best, they, to me, would be the team to beat in the East. That would be a hell of a recruiting sales pitch. Paul George said unfinished business when they lost to the Jazz in the first round, and he's playing with Russell Westbrook, and the Thunder have a $100 million tax bill. Being able to make the NBA Finals with Joel Embiid and Brett Brown and all the things the Sixers have going on, I will say like that that could be a hell of a recruiting pitch. Yep. So, and and to me, I, I think the Sixers are, are kind of like the other teams in the league. They have Brett Brown, they have Monty Williams. So hopefully, they they can dig a, a little more into this that, than other teams can. But I, I think there is a level of uncertainty, and that we we don't know what Kawhi is thinking. But to me, they still should consider uh, very strongly trying to make this deal. Oh, yeah. My- and, 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 to, and by the way, b- before you get going, I know that the Spurs might just say no to everything. Right. Just just pointing that out there. But the, the Sixers should try to make this happen. I mean, there's a lot of people that will say, like, well, what, what leverage do the Spurs have for a player who's threatening to hold out? Well, players don't really hold out in the NBA. That's not really an NBA problem. Um now, Kawhi, I guess you might make the argument that he kind of held out at the end of the season, or at least some people are reading the situation as that. But heading into a season, players almost never hold out. It's not. It would be very easy to call the bluff of a player who barely played last year and who's going to be a free agent next summer. You call that bluff, and you're probably going to win it. So the Spurs aren't in any kind of rush. They do still have an MVP caliber player who teams will want to acquire. Like, you don't have to trade him right now. So, I agree with you. I still have interest. I still see a lot of upside. I still see a situation in Philadelphia 
which would be hard to walk away from. And I think a lot of people say, like, well, he was unpredictable in San Antonio, so you can't trust him. And it's kind of like, you know, if you were ever disgruntled at a job, some people are just disgruntled people. Like, the, the phrase, the saying that I remember, like, you know, if you saw an asshole in the morning, you saw an asshole in the morning. But if you saw an asshole all day, you're probably an asshole. And there are some people that are just always going to be unhappy at every job they're at. And you, you kind of avoid those people. You don't want to hire them. But there are some people who are unhappy situationally and unhappy with a manager or unhappy with a role. And they can be happy in a different role with a different manager. So Kawhi clearly lost faith in the Spurs and management and medical staff. Does that mean he's guaranteed to lose faith in the Sixers? Or could he be happy with the Sixers? Is he constant a constant problem? Or was this a very unique situation? And I don't remember Kawhi ever being a problem anywhere else that he's ever been. And maybe it just means that like he got this taste of stardom and now he's changed. Maybe it means that the people around him have a greater influence on his decision making and he's going to be a source of a problem going forward. But you have to figure out that problem. Was Kawhi Leonard a problem because he had lost faith and lost the trust of his teammates and the, the, the staff? And can that be different in Philadelphia around Brett Brown and Monty Williams and Joel Embiid and a team that's going to compete or not? And I don't know if I have an answer for that, but I don't think it's a guarantee that he's going to be a problem here just because he was a problem there. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of the the big picture issue that is looming over the franchise. That's something that's going to be there. Where uh, where do you think the Sixers go from here with the fourteen or thirteen million, according to Woj, <laughs> uh, that they have left in, in cap space? It's a uh, it's kind of slim pickings, but the good news is that the Sixers don't – they're not bidding against too many other teams, that, yeah. especially teams they are trying to win. It's slim yeah. pickings, but the, the, the contracts coming out now are very, very team favorable. So yeah. I think I think Jordan uh, – uh, Jamal Crawford is a name that's oh. been rumored and a name that I've heard oh. they have interest in and a name that I personally oh. have no interest in. Uh, I don't think he's the archetype that they need. I don't think he's at the point in his career that they need. Um, just an inefficient, terrible defender. Like I don't, I don't get the fit Ugh. per se, but I think they want you know that that second D that Brett talks about the dribble. I think they want a guy who can probably Go, handle the ball in traffic. Well, that's where we're getting. Um, so what, thirteen or fourteen million? Give Wayne Ellington and Tyreek seven each for a one-year deal and call it a day. Then maybe give Kyle O'Quinn the. Uh, the room level mid, mid mid level exception, that that would be what I would do personally. And I don't even I'm not even a huge you know O'Quinn fan, but uh, but you do need a backup big. You do need a backup big, and that's a name they had. They they are rumored to have interest in. If not, bring back Amir for a year. I I was mostly okay with Amir's uh, Amir's play this year. Totally agree, and I, I think they would be able to get all those guys on on those deals. I know Indiana is meeting with Evans. I don't uh, – what do they have, like 8 million left in space? They don't have a ton. Uh, but you could also you could also pitch maybe playing, you know, back near his home. That, that's, a, that's a cool thing. And he would have a legit role as, you know, that sort of secondary shot creator the Sixers need. And frankly, like you said, the Sixers are – you know, this is going to be the second best – despite the disappointing free agency – LeBron left. This is the second best team in the East at worst right now. Yep. So, you know, having a chance to play for them, 
you know, and get back on the market next year when there's going to be more space available. I can see why that's that's a very appealing uh, appealing pitch. Yeah, but no, uh, God, no, no, Jamal Crawford, man. That's seems like, seems like a good dude. Seems like a guy who'd be you know fun to play pickup basketball with. I, I no interest in uh, in him signing here. No, me neither. Um, it is, and you know, by the way, like a lot of people, oh, well, so we're standing pat, how are we going to get better? Well, you're going to get better by Joel Embiid yeah. having a healthy offseason. First one of his career. And it seems like he's been working out pretty consistently since the season ended. You're going to get better by Markel Fultz, who really can't be worse than he was last year, contribute less than he did last year. Hopefully coming into camp with a, a jump shot he has confidence in. You're going to get better by Ben Simmons having a second year in the league and hopefully, again, working on the jump shot, although I don't have a whole lot of confidence. He's still, every now and then, a shot comes up of him making a three and and people freak out. I still don't like the form of it at all. And it worries me that he's unwilling to make what I think are pretty core changes to his jump shot at this point. But he's still going to be better than he was this year. So you're going to get better internally. I think if you sign an Ellington and or an Evans, bring back a mirror. I think that's a better bench unit than you had before. And, you know, are, are you going to be substantially better? No. But you're building off a 52-win team. You don't have to go out and commit long-term contracts and limit your flexibility just because LeBron James and Paul George decided to go elsewhere. Like, I don't think you panic and pivot into and get locked in to a path that I don't think is necessarily right, not just for 2018-19, but for the next five years. Totally. And I, I said this on Missinelli's show yesterday because he was he was all bummed about what, you know, where is this team going to improve if they don't have Kawhi and LeBron? And obviously, like, like I said, that would have been a, the biggest improvement you could have made. But you can't underestimate... 24-year-old Joe Embiid, first healthy offseason ever, getting better. Like that, that's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna improve, man. And Simmons, I, I totally agree with you. Still, not feeling too great about the jump shot with him. That leg but swing he does just drives me absolutely insane. I don't. Yeah. I'm, among four other but, things in his jump shot. But there are still so many areas he can still get better at, and and kind of work around that jump shot. The uh, the foundation for him is still still great. Yeah, this team is going to roll people in the regular season next year, man. If as long as Joe stays healthy, they're they're going to be awesome. I, I don't really. He was like, I, I'm not uh, I, I'm not sure how how much more interesting this is. And it's like, well, watching your your NBA team kill everybody and have fun doing it. That, that's I think that's pretty interesting to me. I, I don't know. You still the, have uh, Joe. My favorite take of the last few it, it, is the process a failure because they couldn't sign LeBron James. Because like I, people are arguing like the whole point of the process was to sign LeBron James. And it's like you're never going to be able to completely control that. You're never going to be able to – if you can't compete with L.A. and the business opportunities and the lifestyle and the fact that you know Kawhi Leonard lives in L.A. and LeBron James has houses in L.A., there's nothing Sam Hankey or anybody starting a rebuild – can do to combat that. Like you can't, there's only, there's a reason the Sixers were the only non-Cleveland, non-LA team to get a sit down, even if it was a fake sit down, because they've reached pretty high in terms of 
interest level. And there's still going to be factors that you can't control. You can't pick up Philadelphia and move it to a different location. You can't importing palm trees like that's not going to yeah. fix the core underlying issues. So the fact that you have a 52 win team built on young talent and you are a destination for people that really prioritize winning. Stop Stop trying to debate whether the process was a success. It was. You've got the foundational pieces to make you relevant. The question now becomes whether or not you can take the next step, the next you know phase of the process. But stop. Stop. I, I'm so sick of people debating the process. It's funny. We used to debate it all the time in its infant stages, right? Is this going to work? Is it worth it? All this stuff. I, it's, I still see people around me kind of – cover other sports in Philly maybe or who aren't the biggest basketball fans or whatever still talk about whether the success and I, I don't know if they're going to win a title but like if you like basketball if you like watching NBA basketball having Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on your team is pretty fucking awesome uh so they're they're more yeah. interesting and, and relevant than they've been in fucking almost 3 decades I don't even count the 2001 team like that was a uh, that great was season but that was not flashing the pan, yeah, yeah. They're more interesting and relevant than they have been in three decades. And it's because of what they did. And now it's like, well, if they can't get a team to beat the Warriors, then it was a failure. No, no, that's yeah. not. They weren't. That, that was never the criteria when they were building around fucking Elton Brand and Lou Williams. Why is it all of a sudden now the criteria? And, and the reason yeah. is because you want to be able to argue against it, not because it's a, a real argument. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's. It's even with them striking out on the big free agents this year. Is it a situation that 26 or 27 of the teams in the NBA would happily trade you for? Yes. So, and and one more thing because I I've seen a lot of takes I don't agree with this week. There's been some well, you know, just the fact that Paul George got traded to OKC and stayed there when he probably never would have gone there otherwise. You know that year helped you know, influence him and convince him to stay. That doesn't mean Kawhi will because Kawhi has different risks because Kawhi has the injury. Well, yeah, there's a there's another risk. But still the point that having a year and a culture and a system and around a coach and around teammates has an influence on somebody's likelihood. So you can make the point that bringing Kawhi in and having him around Brett Brown and having him around Joel Embiid and having him compete for a finals appearance will have an impact on his willingness while still acknowledging that there is an injury risk. Like, there's, there's, both can be true. And I, I don't know why it almost seems like, well, throw, throw Paul George out because there's an injury risk. Like, no, that, that's not, that's not really how I view the, the situation. Part of me thinks too, and this is just very basic reading of, of tea leaves. The, uh, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be good? You know, it's like you said, you know, maybe he'll be, he'll be angry at first. But then by October, he'll say, eh, this isn't too bad. And then maybe they rip off 15 wins in a row in January at some point. And he says, oh, I, I kind of really like this. And on the other hand, he's looking out west at LeBron and Rondo screaming at each <laughs> right. other. And Lance running circles around them. While blowing in the air. Yeah, and it's like, well, they'll have cap space next year. But Jesus Christ, like, look, 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 look what they're going to have to pick the pieces up from. Yeah, I, I don't know. I will say I, I did hear uh, because one of our uh, athletic colleagues tweeted this out yesterday. I think it was John Greenberg. He was talking about Wilbon was on. Uh, oh, this <laughs> he was on. Great. 
He was on radio in Chicago. Will Bond claimed that the process took eight years yeah. <laughs> on the radio in Chicago. And John Greenberg's like, I'm not even the big pro- biggest process guy. It's like, somebody's got to correct him. Uh, I count four on that. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, Hanky was only here for three of them. And the only reason the fourth season was the way it was, was a losing season. is because Embiid, Simmons, Simmons got hurt and Embiid uh, missed over half the season. Otherwise, they they probably have a winning record that year too. Really, they lost. They intentionally lost for three years, and that's it. Let's stop. Uh, let's stop adding on to that. Yeah, if you don't like it, that's fine. But let's let's be accurate. All right, enough debating the process. I like that we don't really engage in those discussions too much anymore. Um, anything else? Vegas Summer League this week? Uh, yeah, that should be fun. Uh, yeah. I don't- by the way, I'm not I'm not done debating the process, but. I have a I have a different outlet, which I can't announce yet to do that with. Sure. Um, Tease. Yeah, Vegas should be fun. Sure. Yeah, sure. I've never been to Vegas before. I have I I've been there. I've been to Vegas a couple times. I've been to summer league last year. Rich, you're not going to love covering the games. I'm going to get that out of the way right now. You're not. You're going to walk to Vegas in 105 degree heat. And by the way, I don't care that it's you know no humidity it's still 105 fucking degrees and you're yeah, gonna get pretty there bad here right now it's true and you're gonna get there and it's gonna be shitty basketball <laughs> in an overcrowded gym with a million media members it's not the pinnacle of sports journalism <laughs> but you're not there I, I guess what i'll say is will we cover the games yeah but there are you're you're out there because it's a great spot to meet people in and around the league, and maybe that will lead to some stories. So we'll see. Totally. We'll see. Let's let's hope we take advantage of that. You know what? And this is completely random, but because we've been making fun of the Lakers the entire podcast, a couple of years ago when Mark Madsen was coaching their summer league team and was, like, crying after every loss, he was like, I let the team down, man, or whatever. Uh, let's hope that we don't have to cover one of those teams. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because while that was funny, yes, I hope uh, I hope it's a very very chillax atmosphere. Wh- whoever's coaching the Sixers summer league team, I don't even know who it is. Is it Kevin, Kevin Young? Young. I, yep. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to see Zaire. He's been a. Uh, it is funny, man. You, you tweet out one video of a of a kid who uh, has somewhat of a questionable jump shot, and he's uh, he's making some threes and. Uh, Love the Sixers fans, man. That's that got retweeted <laughs> like crazy. Yeah, um, he's still got a little bit of hitch in his shot. He's making them pretty well in practice. Um, yeah. We'll see if he does that in a sped up environment of a game. I will say Landry in practice, those are layups for him. I, I was there yesterday, and I don't think I saw him miss in you know in the the shooting drills. I'm not sure I saw him miss a three, and like he kind of had like a bored demeanor about the whole drill, like. You know, like how you would act if it was something you've done a million times and you could do it in your sleep. It's like he was going through the motions and just draining shot after shot after shot after shot. And he made it look very effortless. Very effortless. Yeah. And again, it's it's not the highest release in the world. It is pretty quick, my, though. My God, is it quick. Yeah, it's like you said. He's He looked bored shooting them. But I was watching him next to Smith, and Smith was making his threes, so good for him. But I was thinking, like, wow, he's... This is effortless, and it's about it comes out in about half the time it takes Smith to shoot his. Yep. Sometimes you worry about the the distance. You don't have to worry about the distance with uh with with Landry. 
he will no. translate the question. You have a little more question about size and speed of the defenders. Not so much speed because he gets it out very quickly, but size. But he, I do, I mean, he, he, he's going to make threes. He just has yeah. to defend, like we said in a previous podcast. But it was, it was impressive watching him and Redick and Korkmaz this year, and and Covington too. Covington's great in warmups. It will be some A plus warm up watching. Speaking of summer league, real quick, I was watching the uh, I was watching the Kings game last night, and it uh, it it made me feel better about Demarcus Cousins signing with the best team in the league because I, I was complaining about that, and I understand, you know, I think Zach Lowe had a piece today that it's not going to matter as much teams and teams flat out weren't offering Boogie a lot of money, and he probably won't play. In the Warriors' best lineups, he can't switch. He's coming off an Achilles injury. I, I know all those things, but man, I was just bummed out by that. I mean, look, and and it's funny though because you know everybody is like, well, this shows that the regular season doesn't matter, and I think that's where I differ with people. It's like, all right, well, you, you don't like basketball as much <laughs> as I do because the NBA regular season is still a blast. There's still so many storylines to uh to keep going and it was funny like I was watching the the Kings freaking summer league t- game last night and I was bummed about Cousins and I was kind of feeling that original way like ah what's the point and I was watching Harry Giles shoot threes and I was thinking oh this is awesome this is fun <laughs> man uh but yeah I, I still am a little bummed that they, they somehow found a way to uh to sign Boogie I mean look I I I kind of come at this from both angles I love I love the game I love watching the game I love everything that happens during the course of the game. I also love team building and championship pursuit. So am I ever going to not watch basketball? Because it seems like it's, you know, it, it seems like everybody knows it's going to happen at the beginning of the season. No, I'm still going to watch as much as I can. But I am still bummed that it seems like 29 teams are wasting their time in terms of pursuing a championship. And I... Look, I'm not I'm not the biggest Cousins fan. I'm far from it. I'm I'm pretty um pretty low on the Cousins Cousins fandom list. I'm not a huge fan of his game. I certainly am not a huge fan of his temperament. He was better in New Orleans than he was in Sacramento. I'll give him that. He seems like the type of guy who, you know, when there's any kind of adversity, he makes it 10 times worse. And on situations like Golden State where there's no real adversity, he might be fine. But I don't think he's the guy you want leading your culture by any stretch of the imagination. And I do question whether he's going to fit not just that offensive scheme. Because, you know, Cousins is talented enough. You can make him fit. If you start catering to him, you might you might change your team more than you want to. But you can make him fit. I question defensively whether he is. But if there's any team to take all the risks that come with Cousins, from the injury risk to the play style risk to the inju- to the um, um, you know, locker room risk. It's a team with four superstars. Like they can take him and look, he's their fifteenth roster spot, maybe fourteenth. I don't I don't really know how many they have now. But he's one of their last roster spots, primarily going to be rehabbing for the, the first half of the season, who they signed using the tax play taxpayer mid level. Like they can cut bait with him so quickly if he ends up becoming a problem or if he just doesn't fit their style of play. So even if it's only like maybe, let's say there's a 10% chance that he makes a real material difference to their playoff run, and he could impact a playoff series in a big way, that's a very easy yes for a team in that spot 
there's no team that can disregard the regular season and even the first couple rounds of the playoffs quite like the Warriors can. They can take their time. They can try to integrate them. And if it doesn't work, they move on. It costs them almost nothing. It is, it, it can, to me, to my eyes, you know, a lot of people say like there's risk because of the injury. Well, certainly there's more risk than a healthy Cousins. I'll give you that. But there's, it, there's no team that can mitigate the risk better than the one that has it, I think. Yeah. They're going to be good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sickening. It, and it just makes LeBron's, I loved, I loved Joel's reaction of like, hey, buddy, you can still DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan this thing. And it's like, it just it, it points out the pointlessness of the Lakers right now to an even more absurd degree. Like, what what is that team really going to do against Houston and Golden State? Like, it just, yeah. whereas if you would have gone to the Sixers and the Sixers got Kawhi, you, you you would have an argument. You would it would at least be interesting. And now I there's just there's barring a couple of injuries. And trust me, I'm not rooting for injuries. I just I don't I don't I don't see it. Can I, can I make the plea right here? And it it does not have to be the Sixers, even though they would be a good fit for your services. Clay Thompson, do not take a dollar under your max. So yeah, I mean um um or 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 KD, get out of there. One of the two. I don't. I'm. I'm not going to begrudge anyone for taking less money to, to keep a team together. Like it's not. To me, it's not the player's job to worry about competitive balance. It's the league's job, and this is where I get on the league for maybe not making the changes or giving it the focus they should have. Uh, but good job addressing tanking. Um, yeah, so I'm no, not. I'm not going. I'm not going. It's funny that that the Warriors are are basically pointing out the same problems that Hanky was pointing just on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. That's a great way of, of, of putting it. So I'm not going to begrudge clay or KD if they end up staying, but uh, it does. It is. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to begrudge them. They're still so young too, but please, please just, just leave and and make and score more points in another place. Uh, You have proven that this team is the greatest of all time. I don't know. It's just that's more of a selfish plea for sure for me. A selfish plea for them to be selfish. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's probably about it. We will have Summer League starts on, what, Friday? I think Friday. I should probably know. I've got a flight to catch out there. Uh, but Summer League yeah, coming don't up. Your, don't miss your flight. No, I, I should figure that out. Um, flight's booked, by the way. I just have to look it up. Uh, but <laughs> we have Summer League, a couple of probably minor signings. Like I said, I don't expect a Kawhi trade to be imminent, which means it probably will happen right when we finish recording this podcast. But thanks for jumping on, Rich, and we will talk to you soon. All right, buddy. See ya. You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBowlers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Clientele. My mic check is like the death breathing the sniper's breath. I